the boldness on this Wednesday night in November. My name's Phineas Mead. Joining me is Raphael Caleb. Hello, Raphael. Hey, Finn. How are you? Very well. Now, now, uh, um, we sh- before we keep going, we should just say that the boldness is about, well, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give you your human rights, but demanding them. So, what's on today's show, Raphael? We're talking with renowned blogger Earl Gibbs about the National Disability Insurance Scheme. It'll be interesting. Fantastic. So, um, in fact, we're lucky enough to have Earl on the line now, who, um, who is calling us all the way, or who is calling us all the way from the sunny Blue Mountains, I hope. Hi, Finn. Hi, Raphael. How are you going? Well, Hi, well, Earl. How are you? Did, is my... Uh, is my was my weather prediction correct? Is it sunny there? Look, it actually is. Hey. It was uh, full fog and thunderstorms yesterday, but it's back to sun today. Fantastic. Well, well, that's that almost mirrors Melbourne's weather, except we've got a couple more seasons thrown in there. I think um, we ha- fortunately we haven't got to, got you on to talk about the weather, which is probably good for all concerned. Uh, You've written, it's like the first draft. <laughs> yes, you've written. Yeah, that's right. You've written a c- couple. Of, Pieces uh, for Crip uh, Crokey, which is a health health website um, or health blog about the the uh, any the NDIS, and it's uh, it's not as rosy as it might seem. Yes. So last year, I was lucky enough to get uh, have a lot of generous backers to crowdfund me to write a series of pieces around disability policy. Uh, so I've looked at the National Disability Strategy, I've looked at housing for people with disability, I've also written a personal piece about being sick earlier this year and about Medi-Scare and why people get uh, frightened about threats to our public health system. And so this time I did a very long essay, which thankfully they split into two, uh, about the NDIS and where where it's moving towards and why that's different from what you know all of us as people with disability uh, kind of lobbied for in the first place and what my concerns are. So, so it seems to have hit a bit of a nerve with people, so that's good. <laughs> so just just for those people that are, that are unaware, what were the original intentions of the NDIS? Yeah, so the NDIS came out of a fairly long process where people with disability, uh, their representative groups, carers groups, the government... Um, disability and disability service providers had kind of got together and, and, and sort of talked about the fact that the disability support system really was just not working at all. It wasn't working for people with disability, first and foremost. Um, it wasn't enough for people. People weren't getting the support that they needed. Uh, it wasn't flexible, it, you know, all of, and it had huge amounts of problems in the system. So... 
so there was a big inquiry by the Productivity Commission in 2009 and 2010, and then they wrote a big report that said, we need to have a whole new system uh, that should be called the National Disability Insurance Scheme, and that should be an individualised system. So everyone with disability should, who's eligible uh, for support should get a package of money, and then they'll be able to go and buy the kinds of supports that they want to get. And so they will always have enough support, uh, whatever that, that might be. So whether it's somewhere you need uh, someone to come and help at home or you need help at work or, you know, whatever other supports that you need, you'd get what you needed uh, and there'd never be rationing or there wouldn't be um, have to fit in with what service providers wanted or any of that sort of stuff. So that's how it was meant to work in the beginning. And people with disability worked really hard to make sure that things are like that the, the, the reasons for disability support, like the reason we need support um, is because of our human rights. So, you know, we have a right to live in the community, we have a right to go to work, we have a right to, you know, go out shopping and do all the things that everyone else gets a chance to do. So part of the NDIS, the rationale behind it was that disability support meant that it would give people with disability a chance to exercise their rights to have an ordinary life. So just to, you know, go to the movies and hang out with your friends and go to the pub and, you know, go to work and do all those ordinary things that everyone else gets to do. So in other words, an Oprah Hall are basically a lottery system. Yeah, yeah, because that's what it had been before. So that if you, um, if you had been born with a disability... Uh, that and somebody who had been able to be sued because of that, uh, you might have had some money to give you some lifetime supports and care. Uh, if you'd fallen off a ladder, you probably couldn't get any kind of money. There was you know, no insurance or whatever, so you were stuck. If you'd been hit by a car in some states, you know, and you had a disability, you could uh, get access to some care. But it was completely random, so it depended on how you got your disability, what state you were in, uh, whether you had advocates, uh, whether you have an intellectual disability, all of that kind of stuff. And that's not fair, you know, because it meant that some people got the, the support they need and some people didn't. So, so has the, the current scheme, as it's rolling out now, because it's started to roll out uh, early, earlier this year, and I think the full rollout will um, be at the end of... T- uh, twenty, or that I think it'll be fully rolled out by the by the end of uh, or by twenty twenty. I think think the estimate is what um, as it's currently rolled out is is it living up to the ideals that people fought for? Yeah, so there's a couple of things where it's it's starting to fall down. Um, uh, Western Australia is not has, hasn't signed up, so it's not a national program yet. Um, so, which is one of the, the points of the NDIS, was to get rid of the, the differences between all of the different states and territories. So that didn't matter where you lived, you got the same kind of disability support, same as Medicare. You know, it doesn't matter where you live, you get the same access to the same health system. Um, so that hasn't worked. Um, uh, it's the problems for people who self-manage. Now, this is going to get a bit technical. So uh, for some people who get their packages... They choose um, to have them managed by the NDIS um, and some people want to do it themselves. And so for people who want to do it themselves, they've found a huge amount of problems. 
and they found that they're not given any flexibility, they're not given any trust in terms of the money, they're forced to pay for everything up front and get reimbursed. And like that's okay if you're kind of spending maybe a hundred bucks, but if you've got you know support workers and you're spending thousands of dollars a week, I don't know about you, but I could sure as hell couldn't pay that kind of money up front. Um, so that's causing lots of problems. And then since since the the rollout, so there's been a whole lot of trials that were in different places where um, they were trying out the system and seeing how it would would change. Uh, you know, and help work. And then they started the full scheme this year. And then the problems at the 1st of July was that they changed over at the same time to a new IT system. And of course, the whole thing fell apart. <laughs> and so there's still problems now in November, like months and months and months later, where people can't get access to their money. They can't pay people properly. And all of this kind of stuff, these kind of problems are happening. And so it's people aren't getting the supports that they need. And I'm what worries me is that other systems, like if, if the Medicare system fell fell over and it was still fallen over five months later, you know, all hell would be breaking loose. But you know, somehow because it's people with disability, the government just goes, ah, oh, yeah, we're going to fix it. We, we really are going to fix it. Sure, soon, promise. Really is going to get fixed. <laughs> Because with, with with the self-managed system, people were, had previously, just to give people some context, there under certain st- states you could you could self-manage and you were given a, a, a lump sum or a lump sum payment for the year and then you would be able to pay people as you went along, whereas or f- for support workers and support as you went along, whereas what's happening... Now under the NEIS is is that people it's a it's a voucher system where where you you um where uh, you pay up you pay the people up front and then are reimbursed. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that doesn't sound particularly fair to me. I don't have to do that to my you know it's, yeah. So I mean bulk Medicare, even bulk bills and all that kind of stuff. I don't see how that actually is going to help me or any people with disability be more independent and to exercise their rights. It's not exactly a trust exercise or, you know, the NDIS going, yep, fine, you've got a disability, yep, this is how much supports you're going to need this year, here's your cash, give us the receipts and we'll, you know, have a, check it out every couple of months and go for it. You know, I mean, I can't understand why that's not working like the way that should, yeah. You, you mentioned as well well in in uh, your articles about whether a market driven system where the consumer is i guess at the um i or a market driven system rather than the the old government of government funds everything and you just get what you get system um as we used to have um a market driven you wondered whether a market-driven system is the best way of dealing with an NDIS. Mm. So it, this has been a critique I've had of the NDIS model for a long time. It's not something I'm yeah. So it's it's something I've critiqued about, um, you know, privatisation of human services and churning over human services to the market in the in the uh, guise of efficiency. And I'm doing the kind of air quotes. Um, is it is it, you know a, both 
both flavours of government in Australia at the federal level have been fans of doing this. Uh, I'm not convinced. I haven't seen evidence that this does anything other than make people uh, give people profits. And I'm just not entirely sure that that's connected with providing good public supports. Um, I think that there was lots about the old disability system that was broken. Um, and I think for people with disability, not having any choice and not having ever enough and not being able to direct, have any say over the supports and the very, you know, personal, you know, individualised supports that they had um, was a major problem. But some state governments have started to move towards individualised public supports. So, you know, I don't see why we can't do an individualised support system that is a public model. Uh, rather than handing over large amounts of taxpayers' money to the private sector, uh, where there are now very big companies coming into the NDIS and who are basically charging as much as the NDIS will bear. So um, I don't know whether you guys are members of the NDIS grassroots discussion group on Facebook, but it is a fantastic resource for people who are using the NDIS. And they are constantly saying that the, the, the support workers, the specialist staff that they you have used in the past are now charging far more under the NDIS. And so and that, that makes them concerned. And whereas for support workers who are, you know, kind of lower down in the food chain, they're getting paid less. So it seems to me a bit of a, you know, ass up kind of excuse my language, um, model where support workers who do the bulk of the work are paid less and uh, the people who are making lots of money out of this uh, are certainly not people with disability. <laughs> um, and so I can't understand why this idea that the market is somehow magic and it will make there, there will be a magic market in, the, in disability that will somehow make this all efficient when you know markets are actually about making money uh, rather than anything else. So I, I, I don't have as much faith in the magic power of markets as other people do. Um, and I'm surprised that there hasn't been more criticism of that aspect of the NDIS when, um, you know, progressive people are criti critical of things like voucher systems in education or other kind of market and privatisations. Um, but there doesn't seem to have been as much criticism of um, the NDIS. And I don't know whether that's because, you know, we're... We're people with disability and we're all a bit scary. I mean, I don't know. I get very judgy. <laughs> well, Al, what about from an accessibility point of view? Let's say people in remote areas of Australia, maybe the Indigenous, um, with the Indigenous community, uh, with a second language, uh, they might, a person with a disability might be illiterate, they might not have access to technology. How do they actually access this scheme? That's a really good question. And... I think that's where Australia's geography um, has always been um, uh, the defeater of market models. I mean, even something like telecommunications, Telstra was always forced to uh, provide provision for people living in remote and regional areas and uh, because communication was seen as important and the NDIS is no different. Um, I think it's going to be incredibly important to have models that work for particularly Indigenous communities. The rate of disability in Indigenous communities is incredibly high and I think that and disability services have traditionally served those communities very poorly. So I think to make sure that communities don't miss out on disability services again um, at all and that the, 
those services actually suit the communities is has to be a, a huge and high priority for the NDIS. And I don't, I'm not convinced that you can make this fictitious market work in a remote community. And I don't think you can rely solely on technology to deliver the supports that people need. Well, it's very, very hard for someone to actually maybe change a bed um, from about 2,000 miles away, I think. <laughs> that is a very remarkably good point there, Raphael. Um, what, what, what do, um, in terms of, um, because I'm, I'm also hearing that, um, special, that specialists for people who are getting, who are going through the planning process, they're having to you use specialists which are charging $75 an hour for to tell people what they what they already to come to the same conclusion they would have come to um had they just listened to the person with the disability and their family in the first place God, that makes me angry because it's just kind of where are people with disability in all of this like where are we where are the rights that we that, that were baked into the legislation and the stuff that was talked about, about us having an ordinary life and the supports that people with disability need? I mean, I just feel like, you know, the, the model that was, you know, that was designed by people with disability to, you know, suit people with disability seems to be getting lost in all of this bureaucracy and who can get more money out of this and and all of that and and where are people with disability i just kind of that's what's making me cranky and one of the reasons i wrote this because um, for all my criticisms about it and i was criticized strongly by people with disability for being critical of the ndis because uh, people saw that this individualized model and a freedom from disability services who had not provided decent support would be freeing and would be liberating for them. And so um, I copped a lot of flack from people who said that I was wrong and I was wrong about um, that this would be a model that would work. And it makes me so sad to see things happening at the moment um, that I know are not what people wanted and not what people expected. And and I kind of feel like um, because I'm an old old activist I kind of you know want to um, have a summit and you know have talk about it and, and kind of make a you know make a plan and take it back and, and do all of that kind of stuff it's um uh, you know it's our NDIS and and it needs to be in the hands of people with disability at all times and you know the new board is all people from from the corporate world and it's kind of like well okay but you're not a person with a disability you don't understand what this is for and how important it is in the for the rights of people with disability. Well, I would think that, let's say, if there's a board of management uh, delivering, let's say, disability services and it's a national disability insurance scheme, now, given that 20% of Australians have got a disability, um, that would be should be at least what the representative is to get across what it actually may mean and the practicalities of it. Mm. Absolutely. And, I, you know... I think the the government's priority is to to have people who understand this new marketplace and this new world of corporate human services um, rather than actually have people with disability front and centre. They don't seem to think that the experience of disability, of, of living with a disability, it w- brings anything to that corporate board table. Um, I mean, 
you know, just this is not just happening with the NDIS. Like the the Harper Review, there is a whole kind of thing going on at the moment about the marketisation of uh, human services. And human services basically means anything to do with people. And so that's things like that we, that we talked about in the election about the, the you know, the selling off of, the, of, of Medicare payment systems or the privatisation of Centrelink, you know, phone calls or those kind of things. And it's picking off different bits of the public service that deal with people and applying market principles to them as though people are just widgets. And people, of course, are not widgets. And, you know, there's a reason we have public services and, you know, they're there to serve the public. They're not there to serve the profit. And I think that's what I worry about, that we're losing these ideas about a public service and public services and in in this quest for so-called efficiency or that... that doesn't exist. Well, that's a bit like um, if we go back, let's say, to the 1990s where there was the big thing is that we've got a human resources manager. That's like an oxymoron, like having corporate human services. Is that how can it be corporate and have human services at the same time? Because that implies a profit motive. Mm. But that's the thing. It's, it's, it's kind of in that particular mindset, the profit motive makes it more efficient. Now, I don't understand why things need to be efficient. Like, it really doesn't... I don't understand that. It's like a public service needs to be delivering the service. That's all it needs to do. And it needs to deliver the service in a timely way, in the way that the people who use the service, uh, you know, it suits them. And that's kind of... And there isn't a need then for it to be... to make a profit or to be efficient. And so the fact that those kind of market terminology and frameworks are coming into so much more of our public services strongly concerns me. And I know uh, my union, the ASU, has, has uh, in New South Wales particularly, has had a big, um, uh, you know, it's, it, my union represents mostly people who work in the social community services and they put in a big submission around this because, it, with lots of input from members and union members like me, because it is, it's incredibly important for all of us to sort of start to speak up against this stuff and say, hang on a minute, no, you know, like I want my, my public services to be about that, services to the public, and the NDIS should be the same. Um, our guest tonight, I've not done this, our guest tonight is El. Elle Gibbs, who's a fr- freelance writer, who's written a couple of articles ab- about the uh, in- National Disability Insurance Scheme. Now, um, j- just, I guess, we're, we're rapidly f- up to uh, finishing. What um, what can you t- tell me? Uh, uh, what is the best way forward for the National Disability Insurance Scheme? Look, I think um, having more engagement with people with disability, I think at every level of the organisation. So I think the NDIA has done some work in terms of uh, employing people with disability, but I think more of that could happen. Um, I think that on a broader scale, I think there needs to be a pushback to both the current government but also to the Labor Party um, about this idea of the corporatisation of public services and the privatisation of, of public services because I think that particularly in Australia like we're such a big bloody country um, you know there is to to get services to all of us so people who don't live in the cities or you know like me I mean I'm 100 k's out of Sydney um, to get services to all of us we have to take a, a different approach than just a pure market approach and so it just because of the 
you know, the bigness of Australia. Um, that's how it works. And so I think we just need to just accept that and design our services so that they do reach people, no matter where people live, and that we accept that that's what we do and that's what all of our taxes pay for and that we stop mucking around with it and just get on with, um, you know, supporting um, our public service to actually deliver what we actually want it to do instead of continuing to cut our public service and then expecting them to deliver when there's nowhere near enough people or nowhere near enough skills or, yeah. And what what does this mean for the what what can we do to, to make sure that NEIS lives up to its original ambition? Um, look, I think we can uh, start do what I'm doing, which is writing and talking about it. Uh, I think we can write and talk about it from people with disabilities' perspective. There's an awful lot of people talking about it who aren't people with disability. So there's a lot of critiques uh, in some of our newspapers about the, how expensive the NDIS is and uh, what a drain on the budget it's going to be and all of these kind of things and linking it with welfare, which I find strongly difficult. <laughs> um, but I think it needs we need people with disability to speak up as much as we did in the original campaign. So there was such a strong campaign for the, the NDIS and lots of people with disability went visited their MPs, they wrote letters about why having a different disability system was so important, uh, why the old system was broken. And I think that kind of campaign with that level of engagement over, say, the next year should actually be, would be a fantastic thing because it's now is the time to for us as people with disability to be uh, speaking up about what we want the NDIS to look like from now and going forward. You know, as it's starting to kind of wake, you know, build into the big NDIS that it will be. This is the time for us to raise our voices, to get involved with campaigns around, you know having people with disability at the centre of the NDIS uh, and, you know, being active around having the kind of NDIS that people with disability campaign for, not the one that, you know, the corporate NDI, you know disability services want, but the one that people with disabilities want. Fantastic. Just finally, where can people, if people want to read your articles in full, where can they find them? Sure. So um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Blunt Shovels uh, on Twitter or just search L Gibbs, which is E-L and Gibbs, uh, and you'll find my writing. Um, uh, and you can... The Crokey um, website is fantastic. They report on public health issues um, on a range of things. They've got a really fantastic... If you're interested in Indigenous justice issues, they've got a big section on that. Uh, and I'll be writing for them in the new year as well on... Uh, public health and other sort of factors as well. And, so their, and their website, just quickly, is... is croaky. So croaky, C-R-O-A-K-E-Y dot org. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us t tonight. L Gibbs, freelance writer. Thanks, Finn. Thanks, Raphael. Thanks very much, Cheers. And that, that was L Gibbs, who is a... Freelance writer who has written a couple of fantastic articles on the NDIS. And we'll be back on the 30th of November and we've got a show on the International Day of Disability, 3rd of December at 5 o'clock, special edition. We're going out with a really apt song by our great panelist Andy called Scars by but, the Bowl Polar Bears. But before we do that, I just want to quickly mention at, for the 
a television recommendation, a good sketch comedy show which I've been involved in is What's Wrong, a show called What's Wrong With You. It is on Channel 31 at 7.30 on Friday night. So you can either tune in or catch up via the Channel 31 uh, website and app. Anyway, uh, we'll go out with that song. Scars by Bullpiler Bears. Cheers. You hit like a girl.